Hey, Miss Barry, it's Hennessy. And Hallie, and today we're going to be talking about concentration camps. The definition of concentration camps is a camp in which people are detained or confined, usually under harsh conditions and without regard to legal norms of arrest and imprisonment that are acceptable in a constitutional democracy. Nazi Germany had more than 1,000 concentration camps from 1933 to 1945. They kept these camps on their own territory in parts of German-occupied Europe. The first camps opened March 1933, right after Hitler became Chancellor of Germany. Two of the worst camps were Auschwitz and Treblinka. Auschwitz had a death toll of 1,100,000 people, and Treblinka had a death toll of 800,000 people. Inside of the concentration camps, people were gassed, starved, worked to death, and killed in medical experiments. Soviet forces liberated Auschwitz in January of 1945, and American forces also liberated some of the concentration camps. Holocaust victims were people targeted by the government of Nazi Germany based on their ethnicity, religion, political beliefs, or sexual orientation. Here are some of the stories of people who survived concentration camps. This is the story of Henry Kitschka. He is one of the dwindling handful of men and women to survive Auschwitz. In the first week of September 1942, they were taken from their homes. Within a week, the family was in a convoy of cattle wagons on a railroad transport. Henry and his father were taken off the train with other men in the small town and work as slave laborers destined to be murdered in the gas chambers when they were no longer of economic use. The women of the family, Henry's mother, sisters, and aunt, were taken to Auschwitz where they were gassed and cremated as soon as they arrived. At this point, Henry, a tall young man of 19, weighed 85 pounds and today still suffers from the injuries he sustained from the long march on the broken and bleeding feet. He said he was 9% dead and was a skeleton and was in a sanatorium and hospital for a month. Henry never spoke of the suffering as though his memory was overwhelmed by darkness. Sixty years after the war ended, he published a memoir of his life in the camps to make sure his voice would still be heard when he was gone. Now for the stories of three victims before the war. The first story is from Edith Edgar, who was born September 29, 1927. The town I grew up in was part of Czechoslovakia until 1938, when it became part of Hungary. I spent a lot of time with my mom because my father played billiards, and so she took me to the opera and she introduced me to Gone with the Wind. I was told at a very young age that I am a very talented gymnast. Next is Mindu Hornick, born May 4th, 1929. I grew up in the mountains, life was good. We had a lovely home and an orchard, and we had nice relations with our neighbors and our school friends, which were not always Jewish. Lastly is Billy Harvey, born May 20th, 1924. My city was called Bearhove. Population was approximately 26,000. In the springtime, I used to work in a vineyard, cultivate the groves of the grapes. In the fall, we used to harvest the grapes. The whole city was like Napa Valley. My father was injured in World War, World War One, so my mother became the sole supporter of the family. She was a dressmaker, but what I know about her talent today, she was more like a dress designer. There is no, there was no indoor plumbing. There was no electricity. My mother had to go every day to the farmer's market, purchase the food, prepare the food for six children while also making a living. Now is there lies after the rise of anti-Semitism. So Edith Egger, I wanted to be a gymnast and be competing in the Olympics. I was told by my trainer that I have to train someone who is not Jewish. 
And that was, to me, the biggest shock of my life because I spent at least five hours a day training, 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 training. And then I went to my trainer. I'm not Jewish. I denied it. And that's when I realized that when you had a child, you had to go to the city hall and register the child to be put and put the religion next to it. Next is Mindu Hornick. Once we were forced to wear Jewish stars, that was terrible. Suddenly we were singled out. We were different to the school friends. We were different to our neighbors. My father was taken away from us. He businesses were confiscated and honestly, I don't know how our mother fed us. The last is Billy Harvey. I graduated age of 18 from a gymnasium in advanced secondary school. Unfortunately, my graduation present became Auschwitz. Next is the transport to Auschwitz. Mindu Hornick said, we were suddenly told to pack our luggage and be ready to come to the station. We were taken to a ghetto first. Next was Billy Harvey. We were in the ghetto for six weeks under terrible sanitation conditions. We were freezing. We had very little food to eat. One day the train arrived. They pushed into one cattle car as many people they possibly could so that we were crushed like sardines. There were no windows on the cattle car. On the cattle car. When the sliding door slammed it closed on us, the only light came through the wooden cracks. Lastly is Edith Edgar. I begged my father to look presentable, to look younger. We were all smushed up, you know, very small little place in the cattle car on the floor sitting down. And I am crawling to him and asking him to shave. He didn't listen to me. My mom hugged me and said, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going to happen. Just remember, no one can take you away from you, what you put here in your own mind. Now for the arrival, the first is Mindu Hornick. We were pushed through the main gate, and once we'd entered, we thought we'd entered hell. There were bodies everywhere, and there were these watchtowers with machine guns pointed at us, this terrible gray ash falling around us. There were barking dogs viciously walking around. There were loudspeakers always in these SS men's walking around with shiny boots and guns on their back. I mean, we were just frightened out of our wits. Second is Bill Harvey. When you first glanced out, it looked like a twilight zone. Big chimneys going to the sky. Smoke was going all over. We didn't know where the smoke was coming from. But we found out soon enough the smoke was coming from the crematorium. They were burning burning between 12,000 and 13,000 people a day. Last is Edith. Men and women were immediately separated. I never saw my father again. After the war, I met someone who told me that he saw my father going to the gas chamber. Next is daily survival. Edith Edgar said, In Auschwitz, you couldn't fight because if you touched the guard, you were shot. Right in front of me, I saw that. You couldn't flee because if you touched the barbed wires, you were electrocuted. When we took a shower, we didn't know whether gas is coming out of the water. Bill Harvey said, Every morning, 4 o'clock, they knocked on the door for roll call. I don't know what was the purpose of it because nobody could escape. The barracks were surrounded by barbed wire. The barbed wire was connected to electricity, and every morning in front of the barracks was piled up naked dead people. Mindu Hornick wrote, Very often, we would see Dr. Mengele walking along, looking very smart in shiny boots and always immaculately dressed and he would wear a pair of white leather gloves and if anyone didn't look well he would wave and they would have to step out of line and we never saw those people again if you were feeling pale or whatever you weren't feeling right you you would prick your finger to draw some blood and make your rosy yourself rosy cheeks now for the liberation first is edith all i could tell you was that it was quite dark i just saw kind of darkness and we didn't know who's alive and who's not alive i was in a very bad state I was among the dead, and then I looked up. It was a man. I saw tears in the eyes and M&Ms in his hand. Then Bill Harvey said, People were dying left and right from hunger. 
When they died, we took their clothes off to try to keep warmer. When we arrived back to Butchenwald, they came to collect all the dead people from the cattle car to transport them to the crematorium. I was frozen. I was put among the dead people. When I arrived to the crematorium, the prisoner who worked there discovered that I was still alive. He saved my life. I woke up in the barrack. When I opened my eyes, I thought I was in a five-star hotel. Nobody was hollering at me. Nobody was beating me. I was at age of 21. I weighed 72 pounds. I could not stand up well on my own feet. But I was so happy to be alive. Next day, I I asked people to carry me outside. I wanted to get some fresh air. They carried me outside. I hear a gentleman speak with the French accent. Lastly, Mindu said, I really did not know what happened to us. In those last hours before liberation, suddenly the Germans got very, very impatient, and they collected us all and put us on a train. And it was the first time we went on a passenger train. And at either end of the train, there were machine guns. The British saw a train moving with machine guns on either side. Thinking they've got some valuable cargo, they shot our train up. About 60 or 70 of our girls were killed by British Armada. We jumped out of the train and started waving. I think now it was a miracle that we weren't killed on that train, either by the British or the Germans, who tried to kill us in the last moment. Lastly is living as a survivor. Edith Edgar said, When I was liberated, I got up in the morning and I realized that my parents are not coming home. And reality hit me. I became very suicidal. I just wanted to die. But I'm glad I did not, because I was able to somehow turn all the tragedy into an opportunity for me now. Not only survive, but also to guide other people to be survivors as well. Next is Billy Harvey. He said, I was the age of 22 and I came to the United States with one pair of shoes and shirt and slacks. And I was determined to make a success out of my life. And that's what I did. I also discovered the best revenge in life is success. You can't hate your enemies, as I said, because when you hate, you're not living. Lastly is Mindy Hornick. Have I ever found an explanation? No, I haven't. But if you want to remain normal and not want to end up on a psychiatrist's couch or something like that, you have to drift back into a life, join a community, and be a part of it. Because when you were brought up in a community, you want to belong again. And that was the most important thing for me, to belong. That, that was, was the, the end, end of our podcast on concentration. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>